0: Well, it's good to be back, amen? Amen. Amen. Ruth chapter number 2. The book of Ruth. In chapter number 2. I figured I'd use some ladies in the Bible here, some women, as some examples and just preach. And A lot of men did a lot of great things. But you know there's a lot of women in the Bible that God used. And thank God for His grace in the life of Gomer. And we find another... Wonderful illustration tonight, a wonderful story in the Bible about another woman uh, that God did some amazing things in her life. As a matter of fact, and I'm just going to get right to it tonight, amen, appreciate you being back, and uh, appreciate your prayers, and appreciate y'all's support, and I leave early in the morning again to hit the road. I'll be back uh, flying to Charlotte, I think, tomorrow, you know, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and be gone for another two weeks, and so this, this month was real busy away from our family, and my wife's grateful, amen, that she gets a break from me, amen. All right. Ruth chapter number two, y'all can laugh, amen. I'm just joking, and uh, halfway, anyhow, amen. If I'm home too much, she'll ask me when my next meeting is. And uh, Ruth chapter number two, amen. Verse number 10, verse number 10. The Bible says, then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said, unto him. This is speaking about Ruth, and she says this to Boaz, and I'm going to give you the setting of the story in just a second. We're kind of skipping into the scene here tonight. The Bible says, she said, "'Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger?' And Boaz answered and said unto her, "'It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband.'" And thou, how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come to a people which thou knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like under one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. You will not find a more clearer picture of God's amazing grace towards fallen and sinful man than you will in the book of Ruth. As a matter of fact, these four chapters, they highlight in the Old Testament what will come to pass, what will come to fruition in the New Testament when Christ came, He suffered, He bled, and He died on the cross at Calvary. But the story does not begin just like this morning. It does not begin like we would enjoy the stories of life to begin. As a matter of fact, in Ruth chapter number 1, you find that there's a man by the name of Elimelech. Elimelech is a man who has a family. The Bible says that he has a wife whose name is Naomi. They have two sons, Malon and Chilion. And the Bible says that they are from the land of Bethlehem, Judah. Now, Bethlehem, Judah in the Bible, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Judah means a place of praise. They literally come from the place where God visited His people In giving them bread. A place where God's people were free to praise God. And by the way, tonight, that's the way church ought to be. It ought to be a place where you come and you get the bread fed to you. That's what I try to do when I preach. I open the Bible, I read a verse, and I try to expound unto you, or whoever I'm preaching to, the Scriptures. Amen? 1,189 canonized chapters in all of the Bible. What a wonderful book God's given to us in this King James Bible. That's a land of Bethlehem, was the land where God visited His people and giving them bread. It was a place of praise where God's people were not afraid to praise the Lord. And the Bible says there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. When that famine took place, the Bible says about Elimelech, instead of staying in Bethlehem, Judah, and living by faith, he began to live by sight. He began to look and see that things were drying up and the bread wasn't as plenty as it used to be. And and so instead of keeping his family where they should have been, he made the decision to live by sight and he uprooted his family, Naomi and his two sons, Malon and Chilion, and they went to a foreign land called Moab. Now, Moab in your Bible was called God's washpot in the book of Psalms. And the Bible says that when they got to Moab, he had no plans of staying there for very long. He was just going to go try to get his family back on their feet. While he was down there, the Bible says they ended up staying 10 years. He went to sojourn, but it never turns out the way we plan it, does it? When we begin to live by sight instead of by faith, things don't go like we planned, and that's just the way it is in life. That's why it's important to walk by faith and not by sight. And he moves his family down there and his two sons, Malon and Chilion. They both married Moabitish girls, Moabitish women. One of those girls' name was Orpha, and the other one of those girls' name was Ruth, whom you get your namesake, the book of Ruth named after tonight. And so we find that while we are there, he's down there and his sons marry these two women from the land of Moab, that Malon ends up dying. There's his funeral takes place. Then the Bible says that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Elimelech dies and then Malon dies and Chilion dies. And we find that Naomi is left in the land of Moab, a widow. The Bible says at the end of chapter number one that she's called Mara, which means she's bitter how God has dealt bitterly with her and That's the way it turns out when you leave the house of God, where you leave the place where God visits His people in giving them bread, and you go off into a strange land, a foreign land, a place where you don't belong out back in the world, and it never turns out the way you plan it, but that's exactly what happened in their life. And we find that uh, there's this scene that takes place in this story, and the Bible says that uh, Naomi finally, uh, in chapter number 1, in verse number 6, The Bible says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. This is speaking about Naomi after her sons have died, after her husband has died. And look at what the Bible says. I love verse number six. The Bible says, for she had heard that in the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Somebody came by, and here's this bitter woman, and somebody came by and they said, hey, Naomi, things are looking good down in Bethlehem, Judah. God has right. given his people, has given his people some bread. And boy, that bread down there at Bethlehem, Judah, it's sweet bread. That bread down there at Bethlehem, Judah, it's sufficient bread. That bread down there at Bethlehem, Judah, it's saving bread. That bread down there at Bethlehem, Judah, it's show enough bread. Amen. I'll tell you, it's good stuff down there. And so she says, man, I'm going back. And that's exactly what she did. Her daughters-in-law are there at the end of chapter number 1. And the Bible says that she looks at them and they're having this departing. There's there's Naomi and there's, uh, there's uh, Orpha and there's Ruth. And the Bible says that she looks at them and she says, Listen, I, I know you married my sons, they're dead, my husband's dead, I'm bitter. And she finds there that, she says, you know what, I, I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. And she tries to discourage them just to go back and try to find another husband. She says, listen, if I could if I could right now get remarried and have a child, are you going to wait for me, these boys of mine, to grow back up and marry them? I mean, uh, she's just, there's, there's an, an interesting scene that's taking place here. And the Bible says that these two women, these two girls, they made a decision. They made a decision here in chapter number 1, verse number 14. Look at what the Bible says. And when they lifted up their voice and they wept again. There's this reunion of this departing. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. So we find that Ruth ends up going back with Naomi to Bethlehem, Judah. And in this story, we find that Ruth, in chapter number 1, goes from a widow. She goes from worthless to wealthy. She didn't have a dime. She was a land of the Moabites. She was a Moabitish woman. She didn't have anything to offer. But in chapter number 2, Ruth meets a man by the name of Boaz, who in the Scripture is a mighty man of wealth. And by the end of the story, she owns everything that Boaz owns. Ruth goes from wealthly, uh, from worthless to wealthy. Uh, she goes from a pauper to a princess. She goes from bitter in chapter number 1 uh, to blessed in chapter number 4. She goes from the field to his feet in chapter number 3, and then into his family in chapter number 4. She's a widow in chapter number 1, uh, but there's a wedding that takes place in chapter number 4. And Ruth tonight is a wonderful picture once again of you and I and the Lord Jesus Christ. Boaz is a type in the Bible, not one, listen, one of the greatest types in all the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ and Ruth in the Bible is a wonderful type of you and I. So when we read the Scriptures and when you get, begin to dig in the Word of God, don't just see Naomi and Elimelech and Boaz and Ruth. you got to see yourself in these stories. and It'll make the Bible come alive. It'll make you want to read more and study and dig because there's so much that God's trying to give to His people that so many people miss. And so we find that God is able in this particular story in Ruth in chapter one, two, three, and four, that God is able to take a tragic beginning and turn it into a trophy of grace. Ruth could not fix herself. She could not straighten her own life out. I mean, her life is in a million pieces in chapter number one. Her husband is dead. Her brother-in-law is dead. Her father-in-law is dead. Her mother-in-law is bitter. And she relocates to this country, to a country, Bethlehem, Judah, that she's never lived in. From a people of a different speech, they have a different God. And her whole life is shattered all over the ground. But I'm telling you tonight, if you read the book of Ruth, you'll find that nobody's life is broken beyond the hand of God picking up all the broken pieces. Amen. God can pick up the broken pieces of a life. He can put things back together. And He can make it better than it was before it was ever broken. Did you hear that tonight? God is able to make it better. You say, Brother Brian, I'm so broken, life will never be like it used to be. You're right. It'll be better. When Jesus steps in your life, it'll be better. So we see in chapter number 2, she finds grace in the eyes of Boaz. And we read that in the text tonight. In chapter 2, verse number 10, she's in the field and she says, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? So tonight I want to preach on the subject of I found grace. And tonight if you need some grace, i got good news for you. I know the one who can give you grace. Now, I don't know any preacher that can do grace justice tonight. Amen. I wish I could define it for you. I just know I've experienced it. So number one, I want you to see this. Number one, grace uh, reaps in the house of God. And I've given you a little bit of that story. But in chapter number one, let's look at it again. And I want to go back to a verse I already mentioned. Chapter one, verse number 14, we find that when they lifted up their voice and wept again, Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. We find there's two types of people in this story. One of them is a kisser, and the other one is a cleaver. You know, if you study the Bible, you'll find that there's many types of that. I think about somebody else who was a kisser. The Bible says that about Orpha that she's there and she just she kissed her mother-in-law. And then she turned around with tears running down her face, and she walks back into the land of Moab. She got real close. There was an emotional experience, but nothing changed. But then we find that Ruth, Ruth, the Bible says, cleave unto her. If you read the rest of the story in chapter 1, verse 15, she said, I'm going back with you. He said, She said, I treat me now, verse 16. She said, For whither thou goest, I will go. She said, Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. She's cleaving. She said, thy people shall be my people, thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. Do you see the difference here? We find in the scriptures, you'll find two other people that were kissers and cleavers. Jesus had 12 disciples. One of those disciples was a kisser. His name was Judas. You know there's a lot of kissers in our churches. They're kissing Jesus. I mean, they don't, they come to church just like Judas did. As a matter of fact, the Bible says about Judas that he kissed the Lord when he betrayed him. The Lord had been in the Garden of Gethsemane and the Bible says that he was sweating as it were great drops of blood. Jesus said of himself, I am the door. You know what happened? Judas, one of the disciples of Jesus, kissed the door and he got so close that he even kissed the blood. And the Bible says that he went out and he hung himself and he went to his own place, or you could say he went to hell, having kissed the door with the blood of Jesus Christ stained on his lips. You know, there's not a, it's not enough just to come to church this uh, tonight. It's not enough just to be a kisser to the Lord. But hey, you got to be a cleaver, and that's what Ruth was. And by the way, that's what John was. The Bible says about John that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved in the book of John. And when Jesus was at the cross, it was John that was the only one there. When everybody else had forsaken the Lord, as Judas had kissed him, John clave unto him, the Bible said. And when he looked at his own mother there, he said to John, Behold thy mother. Oh listen, I'm telling you tonight... Amen. I believe our churches tonight are full of people that are on their way to hell without God because they're kissers just like Judas. They're kissers just like Orpha. But it's not enough just to be a kisser. You must be a cleaver to the Lord. Amen. It's more than an emotional experience. It's more than praying a sinner's prayer. It's more than getting baptized. It's more than doing good. It's more than being a Baptist. You must tonight be a cleaver unto the Lord. And she claimed unto her mother-in-law. And the Bible says that she said, I'm going with you to the house of God. And when she made the decision to go to the house of God, that's when business started picking up in her life. You know what was a great day in my life? A great day in my life was when I decided that I was going to go to the house of God. I'm talking about cleaving unto the Lord, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival meeting, missions conference, prayer meeting, amen. That was the greatest day in my life when I decided I wasn't going to play church. This was not just part of my life, but this is my life. And that, hey, listen, listen, young people. Thank God you're here tonight, but you're going to have to make that decision one time in your life. You're going to have to make the decision to be a cleaver unto the Lord. And we find that it didn't just end right there because we find that Ruth, she found grace in the eyes of Boaz, who was a type of Christ. She found grace in Bethlehem, Judah. And I like, look at chapter 2, verse number 3. When she gets there, she finds herself in the field. In chapter 2, verse 3, she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. The Bible says, "In her hap, I love that word, was to light on the part of the field, belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Now there's another man I know that came from Bethlehem. You see the picture tonight? But the Bible says that her hap was to light on the field which uh, belonged unto Boaz. I looked up the word hap in the 1828 dictionary, because a lot of times you'll read the Bible and I don't understand a word, so I just look it up, amen? It's just as simple as that, isn't it? The Bible says that which comes suddenly or unexpectedly, it means by chance, it means fortune, it means just by accident. But tonight, East River Baptist Church, we know that it was not an accident, it was the providential hand of God working. There was somebody, amen, somebody said, I, I'm here tonight just by happen chance." I, I got I got in this place just by happen chance or by happenstance, and can I say tonight, Amen? We know looking back on our life that it was not by chance, it was not by accident, but we are here tonight. And if you look at your life, you're here because of the grace of God. There was an unseen hand working in your life, and thank God for that tonight. Your hap was the light in this place tonight, and I'm thankful for the unseen hand working. That we can't see at the time. Many times we didn't see it. We didn't know what all was going on. But looking back on our life, we can see the hand of God working in our life. You know what worked in her life? She, she made the decision. I'm talking about grace. Grace reaps in the house of God. I said it this morning. I got saved in church. You don't have to get saved in church, but I did. And many of you probably did. I got saved in church. I got called to preach in church. I got right with God in church. I met my wife in church. Amen. I'm just telling you, a lot of good things happen in church. A lot of grace was extended to me. And that's what happened in her life. She went to Bethlehem, Judah, a place where God visits his people and giving them bread, the place of praise, Judah. And when Ruth got there, business started picking up mightily in her life. And God used some things to get her there. You know what God used? God used death. God used heartache. God used tragedy. God used the bad decisions. Blunders, funerals, tears, broken heart, they all led Ruth by happen happenchance. The, her hap, the Bible says, was to light in the field of Boaz, the Redeemer. So she made the decision there when her other sister-in-law decided just to kiss and walk back. Look at chapter 1 and verse number uh, 15. You said what happened to Orpha? And she said, behold, thy sister-in-law's gone back. There's a lot of people that do that, don't they? Yeah. They come in here, they have a real emotional experience, and they just they kiss. Kiss the Lord, kiss the church, kiss God's people. I'm talking about spiritually tonight. Unto her people, she gone back unto her people, and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. You find there's a decision that takes place here. One of them goes back, and the other one moves forward and goes to the house of God and grace reaps in the house of God. You see, what happened in verse 5 and 6? The Bible says that Ruth was noticed by Boaz. Look at it. Chapter 2, verse 5. Then said Boaz unto his servant, that which was said over the reapers. Look at what, look, look at what Boaz said. Boaz being a type of Christ, he sees Ruth over there, this Moabitish woman. He's a mighty man of wealth. He looks over there and he said, whose damsel is this? He's a, whoo, man. Glory. Who is that? He takes notice of her. Do you remember when the Lord took notice of you? Your life was a wreck just like Ruth's was, all broken into pieces. You found yourself in the house of God. And the Bible says, amen, that he noticed her. And I remember the day he noticed me. I'm glad he was looking in my direction. I'm glad he looked at me. He did not ridicule me, but he loved me. Hey, listen, he notices her in the house of God in the field. Everything good that happens to Ruth happens in the field. Thank God tonight for the field. Thank God tonight for the mission field. Well, there's so much you could preach there tonight on missions in chapter number 2. We don't have time. I'm telling you that I have all these thoughts that go through my head when I'm preaching. Amen. And i got to stay on track because I can sure run a whole lot of rabbits because this Bible is inexhaustible. Verse number 8, the Bible says here that he tells her to stay in his field. Look at it. Verse number 8, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, My daughter. He said, go not to glean in another field. He said, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maids. He said, hey, there ain't nothing out there in the world that you need that I cannot give you. He said, stay right here. He said, I've got everything that you need right here in my field. In verse number 10, he took knowledge of her in the field. In verse 12, he made her a promise in the field. Verse 13, I'm going fast tonight because I want to get through this tonight. Verse 12, he made her a promise in the field. Verse 13, she found favor and comfort in the field. I'm just saying tonight, grace reaps in the house of God. I've studied that a little bit and I got to asking myself, we know what happened to Ruth. She ends up at the end of the story marrying Boaz. In chapter 4 and verse number 21, look at it. Ruth chapter 4, verse number 21, And Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. And we notice in Matthew chapter number 1, if you read it, the Bible says that Ruth begat, and then it goes through and it mentions David, and then it's the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you read Matthew chapter number 1, and Ruth is mentioned right there in the genealogy or the generation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know what happened in that story. One of these days Jesus Christ is going to come back. And he's going to sit on the throne of David. In the millennial kingdom. We know what the decision that Ruth made. To cleave unto her mother-in-law. To go to Bethlehem Judah which is the house of God. It's the place where God visited his people. Giving them bread. It's the place of praise. Her making the decision to go to the house of God. She reaped a whole lot of good things because of it. But I asked myself. What happened to... Orpha. As a matter of fact, if you study your Bible, you'll find that this is the last time Orpha's mentioned. In the book of Ruth right there, she's never mentioned again in all the pages of your Bible. But if you study Jewish history, the Jewish people, they have a lot of history and Josephus and whatnot, and I'm not saying that all those things are Scripture, but I kind of want to know what happened with Orpha. Orpha, if you study Jewish history, they said that Orpha ended up moving to the land of, ...of the Philistines, and she ended up marrying a king from the land of Philistines. They said that they had children, and of those children were... uh, ...they said that that was the lineage of the man by the name of Goliath. Goliath of Gath, the Philistine. You begin to read the page of Scripture, you'll find that this production that was advanced... ...the production that was advanced from Ruth was David... Well, who was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But the production that was produced from Orpha when she went back to the land of Moab, she goes and marries this king of the land of the Philistines and they have some children and one of those children was Goliath and in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 you find that their production, the grand production took place out there in that field whenever david stood before goliath and if you look at it on just the face value you would think man uh, the decision that orpha made was a good decision i mean look at goliath he's a big old strong man he's got big old biceps and he's at nine foot tall got a big old chest and got a, i mean he looked listen it looks like orpha made a good decision just looking on the outside in the short term But we know the end of the story amen And what happened there when little old ruddy shepherd boy David goes out there, amen, and knocks him between the eyes without rock, and he bows down, he cuts his head off, amen, and he stands up on his chest, he's got a sword in one hand and the head in the other hand. That's the end result of the whole thing. So the decisions that you do make does matter in your life. Not only affects you in the now and now, but it will affect your children and your grandchildren. So I encourage you tonight, number one, grace. Reaps in the house of God. She goes to Bethlehem, Judah, and things start happening in Ruth's life. Then number two, I want you to see here, not only grace reaps in the house of God, number two, grace reaches out his hand. In chapter number two, in verse number 14, look at what happened here. And Boaz, this is a type of Christ, said unto her, that's Ruth, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar, she sat beside the reapers and he reached. Look at what the Bible says. He reached her. He reached her. He reached her parched corn. And she did eat and was sufficed and left. Now Ruth was not one of Boaz's high ranking guests. She was at the back of the line, if you will, tonight. She's at the far end of the table. And at the head of the table's the boss. At the head of the table is Boaz, and Boaz is the one who owns the table. He owns the bread, he owns the corn, he employs all these people. He is the mighty man of wealth in the land of Judah. And where he is sitting and where she is sitting, uh, there are long ways from each other. He is in a real preeminent spot. He is Boaz, he's in a real powerful spot. He's in a real prominent spot because he's the boss. And old Ruth, she's down there at the other end of the table, and she's in a pitiful spot. Uh, she's in a powerless spot. Uh, she's down at the other end of the table with all the o- other poor white trash like Brian Green says, amen. I mean, she, we find that Boaz, although she was, they were way far from each other, amen, Boaz was still able to reach her way on down at the end of the table where she was at that somehow he left his preeminent spot and he reached way down to her pitiful spot. Somehow he left his top spot and he reached way down to her low spot. You say, Brother Brian, what would cause a guy like Boaz to reach way down for a girl like Ruth? I got an answer for you tonight. It's found in verse number 10. She said, I found grace. Aren't you glad tonight for the grace of God? What a picture of you and I tonight. We were low-life sinners on our way to a devil's hell. And just like Jesus, amen, Jesus left His preeminent spot. He left His powerful spot. But thank God that didn't stop Him, amen, from reaching way down for me tonight, amen. I could not get to where He was. He had to come to where I was. And I'm thankful. Listen, every time I preach, and I talk about the day I got saved, amen, I go down in my mind, down memory lane, when I remember I was lost without God, going to hell without God, and the nail-pierced hand of the Savior reached down from the glory world, amen, and He put His holy hand in my sinful hand, and He offered me grace, amen. And it wasn't anything that I had to offer. It wasn't because I was good. It wasn't because I was holy. It was simply because of one word. And listen tonight, if you're here and God's done anything for you, it wasn't anything you did, it wasn't anything you offered Him, it was because of one word, and I think we've gotten over it in the day which we live in, it's the word grace. The unmerited favor of God, He reached for her, even though she was a foreigner. Look at verse 10. Look at what He said. Why have I found grace in thine eyes? That's what she said. That thou shouldest take knowledge of me... Look at what she said here. Sing, I am a stranger. She was a foreigner. She was a stranger. She was one without hope and without God in the world. She comes from a real messed up land. A land called Moab. I already mentioned it. Moab in the Bible and is mentioned in Psalm chapter number 60 and Psalm chapter number 108. It's called God's washpot. And if you know anything about dishes, you know what it was like. Maybe when you were younger, I mean, nowadays our kids put them in a dishwasher, amen, and they put some pods in there, you know, close it up, hit the button. But back in the day, amen, we used to, This you're looking at the dishes dishwasher right here. Amen. And we had to get in there and we had to uh, wash off them dishes. And I remember grandma and mom and dad, all them, they cook and the kids would do the dishes. That's the way it used to be. I'm only 37. Amen. It's getting quiet, but I'm telling you the truth tonight. Amen. And so uh, that 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 wash pot, that that dirty water, I mean, it, it was nasty. And by the end of that thing, sometimes mom and grandma would say, Let that water out and run you some new water, because all you're doing is you're just smearing over no nasty dishwater on them dishes. You ain't getting them clean. I mean, I always hated putting my hand down in the unknown abyss of the dishwater. I mean, it had Amen all kinds of grease on top and had all that nasty floaties and you could feel it hit your fingers and then go down there and try to find that stopper and you had to wade through all that nasty soggy stuff to pull that stopper out that's what God felt about Moab he said Moab those people down there that's my wash pot that old nasty place the old scum of the earth and we find that this people was a strange people these people were started from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his own daughters I'm talking about a land of dearth, a land of death, a land of dirtiness. and It's a dirty land, a land of false gods and religion, a defiled land, a disobedient land. But despite the fact that she was a foreigner, Boaz reached her parched corn. The Bible says he reached for her even though she was a stranger. She was a foreigner. He reached for her, number two here, because she was his friend. I love this. He had to tell them to be good to her. If you look at the, the the chapter here, probably because she was from the wrong side of the tracks, I'd imagine she was getting dirty looks. As he he said at mealtime, "Come." In verse number fourteen, she gets there, and all these people are whispering. They're talking about her. I mean, can you believe who's down here at this at the table with us? Who, who, who's this girl? She she's a Moabitist girl, and. In chapter 2, verse 15, look at what the Bible says. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, look at what the Bible says, saying, let her, I like that, let her, let her glean even among the sheaves, and, and look at what he said, reproach her not. Look at verse 16, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. He said, don't reproach her. And don't rebuke her. Why? She's my friend. Can I say I'm glad tonight that I'm his friend. I'm glad that there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And you know, there's a great lesson in this. That sometimes we come to church and we have a bad experience. Everybody ever had one of those? Amen. I stick around here long enough, you'll have one. They talked about me. They didn't shake my hand. They did this. They didn't do this. Amen. Let let me help the East River Baptist Church tonight. Amen. This will help you. Amen. Here's my philosophy of life. Number one, life's not fair. Number two, people are cruel, so get over it. Amen. Amen. That's Joel. Olsteen. I learned that from down there all 59. (laughs) It's the truth. Man, I had a bad experience at the doctor, but I do not not go to the doctor when I need to go. I hate the dentist. Every time I go, I have a bad experience. But you know where I go? To the dentist. Amen. I mean, listen, it wasn't the fault of the master. They were treating her bad. He said, hey, don't reproach her. Don't rebuke her. The master never did anything to her. But good, why? Because he's our friend. And listen, sometimes there's church people, but thank God there's God's people. And there is a difference, amen, between church people and God's people. Thank God He'll never let you down. He'll never do you wrong. He'll never be unjust to you. Amen. And don't let a bad experience in church with so-called Christians blow you out of this thing. Amen. Just stay in the field and let your friend show you how good he really is. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He reached for her even though she was a foreigner. Do you see it? Reminds me of that song when the Savior reached down for me. Amen. He had to reach way down for me. You remember that? I was lost and undone without God or His Son when the Savior reached down for me. Aren't you glad He reached for you even though you were a foreigner because you were His friend? And look at this. Grace reached for her and filled her up. Look at verse 18. She took it up, went to the city, And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved, notice what the Bible says, after she was sufficed. Now Ruth never went to another field again looking for bread. When she met Boaz, Boaz filled her up. There's no drink in this world that can fill you up. There's no drug. There's no party life. Nothing out there in the world can fill you up. Like the grace of God can fill you up. He'll fill you up and give you everything that you ask for more in this life. Amen. If you'll give your life to Him, you'll reach for that nail-pierced hand. Let it pull you up. Amen. He'll fill you up and give you everything that you need to get through this life. And when you cross over to glory, He'll give you enough to die. Amen. He'll give you dying grace. He'll give you living grace. He will fill you to the brim. Her soul was full. Amen. The song says, Come and dine. The Master calleth. Come and dine. And He will fill you up at His table. But I love what the Bible said there. The Bible says that she brought forth in verse 18 uh, and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Verse 19 says, and her mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today? I like this. And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I have wrought today is Boaz. You know what grace did? Grace filled her up. But it doesn't only fill her up. The Bible talks about, amen, or the song talks about how uh, our cup runneth over. She had enough to give to somebody else. She had enough in reserve. How much are you giving to somebody? Amen. Grace, has grace filled you up? You got enough to give to somebody else tonight? Amen, grace will fill you up and give you something for your children. Give you something for your grandchildren. Give you something for your co-workers. Give you something for your friends, amen. Listen, they need the grace of God. Naomi, amen, needed something. And she said, man, where'd you get it? She said, I got it from Boaz. You said, Brother Brown, where'd you get it? Jesus. Grace reaps in the house of God. Grace reaches out his hand. And I'm done with this. I've already, the whole story is this point. Grace redeemed a broken life. She was a foreigner who found a friend who got filled up, and she now has a future that is forever changed. Chapter one, she lost everything, but she was redeemed by Boaz. And chapter number four, he bought it all. Everything that she needed, he bought. She went from a widow in chapter number one to a wedding in chapter number four. And I've already mentioned it, we find her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Redeemed a broken life. And that's the way all of us were. You said, Brother Brian, I'm, I'm not a drunk. I'm not a drug addict. I've never even really done a whole lot of wrong things. I've told some lies and whatnot. Can I say tonight, it doesn't matter the extent of how much we needed Jesus Christ. The truth is, we all needed Him the same. Amen. We all need it in the same. Right. We need to be redeemed. We need to be bought back. I, I, I already said it. I was a preacher's son. And, and I look back on my life and I see what God did for me. But can I say this? I, I remember hearing a story about Billy Kelly. Billy Kelly was an old preacher of yesteryear. And uh, while Billy Kelly was talking to one of the men in his church, um, he, he noticed as he was having this conversation that there was a little boy over here in the background and there was a little dog. That little boy and that little dog, they was running around and everywhere that little boy went, that little dog just followed him. And finally, Billy Kelly said, Sir, I'm not trying to be rude and I'm not trying to lose interest in our conversation, but I can't help but notice what is going on with that little boy and that dog. And he said, Oh man, Brother Billy, let me tell you. He said a couple summers ago, He said, we were in the backyard of our house. He said, our septic tank got stopped up, and he said, my boy and I were out there. We had that septic tank dug up. We had the lid off of that thing. He said, it was, I mean, 110 degrees outside, sun beating down on us. And he said, uh, I mean, the thing was nasty, full of, I mean, just stopped up with poop and pee. I mean, you know everything's in a septic tank, just nasty. Stink. He said, man, we were sweating and tired. Well, I decided we were going to take a break and go back in the house. So we went in the house, and he said, we got us a cold glass of water, a cold glass of sweet tea. And so while we was in there, he said, I heard the awfulest screaming and yelping in the backyard. He said, we went in the backyard, and me and my boy walked up to the septic tank. We looked down in there. He said, there was this little old mangy dog. He said, the thing hadn't been fed in about two weeks. And he said it had mange and ticks and fleas. And he said, that little old puppy, somebody dropped it off down the dirt road. It wandered down the road into our backyard and fell into that septic tank. He said, it's down there swimming and wading in that septic tank. And he said, man, my boy looks at me and said, dad, what are we going to do about this? He said, man, listen, son, I'm not getting down in that nasty septic tank with all that poop and all that pee down in there. He said, and wading down in that for that nasty mangy dog. And man, the little boy just tore out of frame and said, Dad, we can't leave him in there. We can't let the dog drown and die. The dog was paddling and was getting tired. He said, son, we... Dad, we got to do something about this. And the dad looked at the son and said, Son, if you want him bad enough, you go get him. The little boy said, I'm going. He said, I went and got my ladder. He said, I lowered it down on that septic tank. And he said, my little nine-year-old boy went down my ladder. and said, "Waded up all the way up to his chin in that septic tank. And he said he's walking down through there, and he reached for that little old puppy, little mangy, skinny little thing. He said he was down there, and he said he was scared and was wading in that water and all it had nastiness all over him. Stink! Middle of the hot summer sun. And he said that little puppy, said, snipped at him. He said, my boy went to reach for him to save him, and the little puppy bit at his hand. He said, it didn't stop my boy. He said, my little boy just stayed at him. He said, eventually got a little paw, got another, pulled it in. He said grab that little puppy and put it up here under his chin and he said turned around and walked up that ladder out of that septic tank he said he got it to the uh, to the ground there he said he got the swim pool out went inside got mama shampoo and conditioner got some perfume and got some towels and a blanket washed that puppy off, got all that nastiness off of him, and he said, wrapped him up, took him in the air-conditioned house, gave him some fresh water and gave him some food. And he said, man, that little dog started sleeping in the bedroom with my little boy. And he said, ever since that day to now, he said, everywhere my little boy goes, he said, that little puppy goes. He said, that puppy won't leave that little boy's side. And I got to thinking, there was a day when I was down in the septic tank of sin of this old world, And listen, the father looked at the son, said, you want them bad enough? You go get them. And the Bible says that he left the portals of glory. He was a board of a virgin, grew up a sinless life, came for one reason. The Bible says, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He literally got down in the septic tank of this world with us. Hey, listen, and sometimes some of you, just like that little puppy, when the Savior reached out for you, You know what you did the first time he tried to reach for you? You snipped out his hand. You said, I don't want that. I don't want that salvation. I don't want that life. I don't want to serve God. And listen, you know what he did? He just kept going after you and kept going after you and kept going after you. You said, Brother Brian, why do you do what you do? I got in late last night from Canada. I'm here today with you today. And in the morning, I'm getting on another airplane to go do the work that God's called me to do. We're going to Germany in just a few weeks and Poland and Czech Republic. You said, why do you run around the world and, and you pass out tracts and you preach and you give altar calls and ask people to come and get saved and ask Christians to get right and ask people uh, to give their life to God and get in all the way and don't just play church, amen, but let this thing be your life. Why do you do that, Brother Brian? I'll tell you why. Because I remember when he got down and he reached down for me, pulled me up like that little puppy. You know what we're doing now? We just follow God around everywhere he is, amen. If he's over here, we want to be over here where he's at. If he's over here, we want to be over here where he's at. Why? Because we remember the day when he reached down and he pulled us up and he saved us by his grace. Redeemed a broken. In life and everywhere he's at we want to be I don't understand people that don't want to get all the way in for God I just don't understand that amen he's been too good he's been too good I don't understand people who don't love the Bible don't love God's people don't love church Listen, I, I my personality is probably a little bit different than y'all used to I was talking to Miss Hoots amen it takes all kinds it takes brother Roger's personality. my pastor brother Danny Farley he preaches totally different than I do but listen, man, I, I just want to be what God wants me to be. Yeah. Right. Amen. And listen, I, I've told people before, I passed in New Mexico some years ago. I've said this before. I said, people may not like what I say. And I said, they might not even like how I say it. I said, but one thing's true. When people leave the church, they never will leave scratching their head saying, I wonder what that old boy was trying to say. Yeah. Amen. 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 I just like it plain. Amen. Amen. Here, here's the message. Get saved by God's grace. Live the Christian life by God's grace. And cross the finish line for God and finish well. Man, I want to hear the words of my Savior. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He is the worthy one tonight. He is the worthy one. So what are you going to do with Him? What are you going to do with this grace? You going to forget about it? You're going to take it lightly. You're going to do like Jude said. They've turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness or a license to sin. I know some Baptist teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, say, yeah, I got saved down there at East River Baptist Church. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I got born again. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to drink a little bit. I'm going to party a little bit. I'm going to dress like I want to, live like I want to. Amen. Just do what I want to. But I'm going to heaven. Mm. you've turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness. And that's the book right before the book of Revelation. That's the vestibule of the end times book. And that's the way it is. But it don't have to be that way in your life. You can live in light of grace and give Him your entire life. Give Him your life tonight. I'm talking to save people tonight. What are you going to do with this Jesus and this thing? Are you going to give him your all? What part of your life are you holding on to and you won't let God anywhere near it? Maybe tonight, is my, I'm going to ask my wife to come again. Is she in here? Amen. There she is. When I look at y'all, I just see people as trees. Amen. When it's up here, it gets wild. But tonight, we're going to give an invitation. You say, what's that? We're going to invite you to do something with what you've heard today. Now, I'm not the best preacher in the world. There's a lot of people who can preach the gospel better than I can. But I'll tell you this tonight. I'm serious about what God's called me to do. And you ought to get serious about what God's told you to do. The grace of God. While she sings, I'm going to pray. If you need to do business with God, if you need to get saved, get saved tonight. Just get out of your pew. Come down here. <coughs> repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary. Tonight, child of God, why don't you get up out of your... Pe- it's been a long time since some of you made any move for God. I know you don't have to come to an altar. I know I know all that. I know that. You don't have to tell me. I know that. But sometimes, when we make a move, it just lets us know and everybody else and God know how serious we are. I'm talking about just getting serious. Say, so Lord, I, this, I, this is out of my comfort zone. I don't normally do this. But I just want you to know, Lord, I mean business with you. Whatever God's told you to do tonight, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to do business with the Lord. And you let God do whatever he needs to do in your life. Grace. Grace.